Good morning. So as we heard earlier, this morning we come to the end of the book of Ruth. So let's give ourselves a quick recap of the story so far before we get into the passage that we had read aloud. So at the start of the book, we're introduced to Naomi, who had escaped the famine in Judah and wider Israel with her husband Elimelech and two sons to live in Moab. So Elimelech sadly dies. The two sons marry the Moabites, Orpah and Ruth, but then the sons also die. So now we have these three widows, Naomi and her two daughters-in-law. The widows make their way back to Judah after the famine, but Orpah turns around to stay in Moab while Ruth continues to follow Naomi uh, to Bethlehem, to the town of Bethlehem in Judah. So in Judah, Ruth meets Boaz, a relative of Naomi. Obedient to the Israelite law, he plans to marry Ruth to protect the family. So we have Ruth and Naomi and this man Boaz who intends to rescue and provide for the women through marriage. So hopefully you're just about with me up to this point because now we get to the events from today's passage. So Boaz and Ruth's marriage takes place. Ruth is able to conceive and give birth to a son. The women who work for Boaz praise the Lord for Boaz's loyalty to his extended family, providing security and protection for Ruth and Naomi. Ruth's son is named Obed, and we get a brief genealogy putting the family line in context. So these people are part of the line of Perez, which will continue after Obed through to David, the first true king of Israel. Now, what do we do with this last part of Ruth's story? What theme can we draw out of it? What I see in this passage is the theme of blessing. The word bless doesn't actually appear in this chapter, but it does come up earlier in the book, and it's implicit throughout the events told in today's passage. Notice the way Ruth's pregnancy is described. Verse 13 says, the Lord enabled Ruth to conceive. Bear in mind that Ruth was previously married for 10 years and bore no children. In this culture at the time, it would be unusual for a woman to be married for a decade and not have offspring unless she physically couldn't. My reading is that Ruth was infertile and God blesses her and gives her fertility. This blessing will surely continue to bear fruit as the child grows up and supports his parents in their old age. So that's the end of the narrative part of this book. But I'm actually going to mainly focus our time this morning in the last few verses of Ruth, in the genealogy. And I can just feel the excitement in the room at this point. (laughs) Which, uh, yeah, I, I get it. The scriptures uh, are littered with genealogies, especially in the Old Testament. But if we're brutally honest, we can find them a bit boring to read, even if they're beautifully read by Jez. Uh, But maybe we might have skipped them once or twice in our reading just to, you know, get back to the nice narrative bits. I'm definitely guilty of that one. But actually, there is good reason for the genealogies to be included in our Bibles. And if we seek to understand what this genealogy is telling us, it will help greatly enrich the whole story of Ruth. What I see in this genealogy is God's intervention. 
We just had read to us one of only two times in Ruth where the narrative explicitly tells us that God intervened. He enabled Ruth's conception. The other is back in chapter 1, where the Lord provided food for his people, allowing Naomi to return to Bethlehem and bring Ruth with her. Now, this doesn't mean God isn't intervening elsewhere. It just means we're supposed to look for that intervention between the lines of the story. God is not explicitly mentioned in this short genealogy, but he is at work through the history told in these few verses. It starts with a man called Perez, who we first hear of way back in Genesis when we get a brief story about his birth. We then read a bunch of names we mostly only know through other genealogies, but then we get to the juicy bit. The last few names listed in the lineage are Boaz, Obed, Jesse, and David, the celebrated king of Israel. And we know through other genealogies that Perez and David trace their line all the way back through Abraham, the father of the Jewish faith, and Adam, the first human being. Boaz is a direct descendant of the patriarchs of the faith we learn about throughout the Old Testament, a line which continues thanks to Ruth giving birth to Obed. God worked through and blessed other barren couples in this line, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, and Jacob and Rachel. Just as God did that, so he works through and blesses Boaz and Ruth. And God's amazing work doesn't stop there. The significance of David is not only that he was the first God-ordained king of Israel. Just as was prophesied in the book of Jeremiah, the Gospel of Luke makes abundantly clear in its own genealogy. The line of David, which goes back through Boaz and Obed all the way to Adam and even God himself, continues forward through to a man named Joseph. Joseph was pledged to be married to Mary, who gives birth to Jesus, the promised Messiah and Son of God. Which is amazing and worthy of reflection and meditation in its own right. God is actively at work through his family line, through history, from Adam to Jesus, from Genesis to the Gospels. In doing so, God brings about his purposes for the world. He continually blesses his people, giving them little tastes of heaven among the sinful sludge that humanity has created for itself on earth. He does this all the way through to the birth of his son Jesus, who saves us from hell, should we believe and trust in him. This is an incredible narrative that we get a little glimpse of through study of Ruth's genealogy. But there's more. Let me draw our attention to what happens next in the grand biblical story. Because God's family line doesn't stop at even Jesus himself. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus gives us a hint of the continuation of his line when he says that those faithful to him will inherit the kingdom prepared for them since the creation of the world. Then the apostle Paul makes this crystal clear in the book of Romans. It says, those who are led by God's spirit are children of God. We are adopted into God's family to receive the same blessings as his true son, Jesus, eternal life in his presence. Look at the genealogy in your Bibles and imagine the next bits through David's kingly line, through Joseph and then Jesus himself. 
Then imagine yourself at the end of that list, part of God's family, set to inherit his blessings. Now, in some ways, the book of Ruth seems a bit normal. There are no angels, no miraculous healings, no bread raining down from heaven, unlike other biblical stories. Besides those two mentions of God's intervention, it's almost like it's secular. Like you could imagine the story adapted into some sort of historic drama on the BBC. There are some personal struggles and family crises, but ultimately a nice, tidy, happy ending. But between the lines of the story of Ruth is God and God's line through Adam, Abraham, David, Jesus, and us. We have been adopted in. And like Naomi and Ruth, God is at work in the seemingly normal aspects of our existence. Even if we don't see angels or healings or heavenly bread, God is still working in our lives. He's working through the times you are faithful to him and keep his commands. He's working through the narrative of your life. He blesses you even when you don't see or acknowledge those blessings. Ruth sacrificed a lot to take care of Naomi. Naomi's other daughter-in-law, Orpah, didn't even do anything wrong as such. In fact, she did exactly as Naomi instructed and returned to the security of her immediate family's household in Moab. But Ruth, she sacrificed her own familial security to be with someone who wasn't even her blood relative. Ruth's sacrifice was rewarded with a husband and a son, and more importantly, a place in the eternal story of Jesus' lineage. What part will you play in God's story? What sacrifices will God present you with that mean you have to give up temporary comfort for a greater purpose? Could it be giving up a dream job? Could it be giving away a bunch of money? Could it be opening up your home to strangers? Obviously, these are big things that need a lot of prayer and thought and weighing up against the scriptures. But it could equally be something smaller, like sacrificing your comfort to talk to that one person about Jesus that God has put on your heart. Like fasting for a season. Like sacrificing more of your time to spend with God in prayer or immersed in the scriptures. But how can we know about the sacrifices God wants us to make? What he wants us to do for his kingdom? If we take example from other biblical stories, he might speak to us in miraculous ways, like through angels or a burning bush. But if we don't see those unmissable, unmistakably divine signs, how are we supposed to know? Well, let's look at our story. How does God speak to Ruth? We find out in chapter 1 that Ruth is new to Yahweh God. She starts following him because Naomi follows him. She's not attuned to God's voice or the way that he does things. But those in Bethlehem are, and God speaks to Ruth through them. Multiple times, those around Ruth make statements or prayers that begin with the words, May the Lord. May the Lord show you kindness, Naomi says, and may the Lord grant you rest in the home of another husband. Boaz says, may the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, 
the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to take refuge. And as we heard last week, the elders and the crowd in chapter 4 say to Boaz, May, say to Boaz, may the Lord make Ruth like Rachel and Leah, who together build up the family of Israel. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by Ruth, may your family be like that of Perez. These may the lords function in three ways. Firstly, they're statements of hope directed at either Ruth or Boaz. Second, they're prayers to the Lord God for those same things. And third, they turn out to be prophetic. Everything stated in hope ends up happening to Ruth. The Lord does show Ruth kindness, repaying her kindness to Naomi with rest in the home of a new husband. The Lord does richly reward Ruth with the birth of her child. And in doing so, she does become like Rachel and Leah, who we know from Genesis were both barren and were both blessed with children. And her family does become like that of Perez. Perez's mother was a woman named Tamar. Like Ruth, Tamar was a single, childless widow for a long time, which in those days meant cultural shame and poverty. And like Ruth, Tamar was rescued by what's called a Leverite marriage, which, as Sim touched on last week, is a law that ensures a widow is provided for by marrying the close relative of her late husband. All of that to say, God spoke to Ruth through her peers. Her faithfulness ensured those words came true, and she secured her place in the grand biblical story. So what is God saying to you through fellow believers? How will those words bless you? And how will you pay forward that blessing for God's purposes? For me, I've lost count of the number of times people have spoken over me the words, wield the sword of the Spirit, which is an illustration from Ephesians 6 about the Word of God. That's God's way of telling me to do what I'm doing right now and teach the Bible. But like Ruth, I had to be told a lot of times by a lot of different people before I started listening. How about you? What is God saying to you through his followers, and how will you use that message to further his kingdom? And let's turn that on its head. What words do you have from God for someone else? And if you're new to words of knowledge, let me reassure you that receiving such things doesn't have to be intimidating or scary. God often speaks in a gentle whisper. We just have to be attentive to it. And much like he might tell multiple people a message for one person, he might tell you the message for someone else multiple times. And it's worth mentioning that God might give you a message for you. God can speak directly into our own situations through his quiet voice, or through dreams, or through the words of Scripture. However you receive a word, whoever it's for, if you're not sure whether it's from God, there are two things you can do. The first is to check whether it lines up with the scriptures. For example, if you think that God told you that so-and-so should divorce their spouse because he's got someone much more attractive in mind for them, no, he didn't. There are biblical teachings from Paul and Jesus himself very much to the contrary. The second is to check whether the word would actually benefit God's kingdom. Revelation tells us the essence of prophecy is to give clear witness to Jesus. 
So if you think God is telling you, so-and-so should give up tithing and use that money to buy a luxury car for themselves. No, he didn't. But if the word does line up with the scriptures and would contribute to the kingdom work of spreading the gospel message in some way, then go ahead and tell the person it's meant for. So there are my challenges for us this morning. To emulate Ruth and her newly adopted community of believers. If God is telling you something through others, go and do it. And if God is giving you a message for someone else, go and tell them. And if they're here this morning, why not go and tell them after the service? Finally, I'd just like to encourage those here today who wouldn't yet call themselves followers of Jesus. Because God is speaking to you too. Remember, Ruth herself wasn't a believer at the start of her story. She was brought up in a pagan tradition and only started following Yahweh God when she joined the Israelite Naomi in Bethlehem. Like Ruth, you are invited to become adopted into the kingdom of heaven, and you are invited to hear God's voice. If you don't feel like God has spoken to you, go and reach out to him. Pray that he will speak to you clearly through the believers in your life and that you'll have ears to hear those messages and the courage to act on them. And so, for all of us, pray for words from God that encourage each other and give us direction in our lives in service of him. Pray that we might recognize our place in the blessed family line of Ruth, Perez, David, and Jesus. And pray that we may act on our words from the Father to the glory of his eternal kingdom. Amen.